so this year is the 75th anniversary of It's a Wonderful Life. And actually, this past week and ending today, there has been a It's a Wonderful Life festival. Sorry, Dave that has been held up in Seneca Falls upstate, which a lot of people refer to as the real Bedford Falls. So for the past few days, they've had a festival up there. They've had George Bailey's actual car from the movie. They had seven original cast members were up there. Yes, they were all young children including three of George Bailey's uh, young children in the movies, they've all been up at Seneca Falls this year. And as much as we all love these movies, and as much as we watch them year in, year out, I want to start with this disclaimer. It is a great movie, but it is not actually a theological masterpiece. Like, I've read this. Nowhere in here have I ever read that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> Nowhere. Never. Now, it may be in one of the new modern translations, because they're a little different, but it's nowhere in here. And nowhere in here, God has a lot of names. I've never seen Joseph as one of his names, and he's sending out angels, okay? So, it's not a theological masterpiece, but here's what it is. It is a story that I think a lot of us can relate to. And so what I want to do today is look at it and say, what can we learn from this story? And I think one of the reasons why this story has become so beloved and why so many people watch it over and over and over again, obviously, unless you're Charlotte Pendleton, right, is this. A lot of us can relate to George Bailey. Like, if I was to say today, Put your hand up if your life has gone exactly as you planned that it was going to go. Okay, good. No liars in God's house. That's a good thing on a Sunday morning. Okay? It's true, though. So there's not one of us can say, my life has gone exactly the way it has planned. And that was what George Bailey did. So you have something in common this morning with George Bailey. In fact, check out this clip. I know it's soon to talk about it. No, no, Pop, I, I couldn't. I, uh, I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. The, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop, I didn't mean that. I, but I, it, it's this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents and a length of pipe. I go crazy. I, I want to do something big and something important. You know, George, I feel that in a small way we are doing something important. Satisfying a fundamental urge. It's deep in the race for a man to want his own roof and walls and fireplace. And we're helping him get those things in our shabby little office. I know, Pop. I, I know that. I, I, I wish I felt that uh, I, I've been hoarding pennies like a miser here in order to... Most of my friends have already finished college. I, I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust. Yes, yes. You're right, son. You see what I mean, don't you, Pop? This town is no place for any man unless he's willing to crawl to Potter. Now, you've got talent, son. I've seen it. You get yourself an education and get out of here. Pop, you want a shock? I think you're a great guy.
Of course, because you have all watched the movie, you know that George sits here and chats with his dad about what he wants to do and his plans for his life with regard to going to college, getting out of Bedford Falls, not working at the um, Bailey building alone for the rest of his life. And throughout the movie, he also talks about different things he wants to do. He wants to go and build things that people would get to know. He wants to go visit the Colosseum in Rome and things like that. Of course, you've all watched the movie, and now so have I. So now we know he doesn't get to be a world traveler and go to the Colosseum. He doesn't go to college. He doesn't get out of the little town of Bedford Falls. He doesn't get to leave his family business. He doesn't stay single and free with no ties, which had been one of his goals. He doesn't make lots and lots of money and become famous and have people talking about him. And if that wasn't bad enough, his friends do. His friend Sam Wainwright moves out of town, makes a lot of money. His brother gets to go to college, doesn't come back to the family business, becomes a famous um, fighter pilot during the war and actually becomes a hero who is well known. And today I want to look at this because we're all sitting here and you've all admitted that life has not gone how you had planned or how you had thought it was going to go. And sometimes we can think, well, this life just stinks. And especially in December, because December tends to be a month of reflection. December tends to be a month where we look back and we think back about what's happened this year and how things have gone and what did I accomplish and how did all those New Year's resolutions go? Narrator's voice is now saying, not as good as you had hoped, right? Hasn't gone that way. But here's what I want to remind you this Sunday morning. It may not have gone to your plan, but it is still a wonderful life. In some ways, we get set up for disappointment. From an early age, we're groomed to reach for, I was not, you were, to reach for the American dream. I, of course, didn't grow up here, so I guess it was the British dream that I was, uh, right? So, you know what? We're going to be famous. We're going to be anything you want to be. You can do the impossible. You're going to make millions. You're going to live in a huge house. But the sad reality is that for most people, that's not how life turns out. For some it does, but not for most. And believe it or not, that's just, not just an American dream. I was um, thinking as I was writing this, several years ago when we were in the Dominican Republic, our team, there was a young boy who used to hang out with us a lot. His name is Alvis. And he would go with us places. He was a teenager at the time. Wherever we went, he would go out to the villages with us. And everywhere Alvis went, he always had a baseball in his hand. He had his cleats on, his baseball shirt, because Alvis was ready and he was going to be a baseball player, which for most of the Dominican boys is the dream. You become a really good baseball player, you leave the Dominican, you come to the States, you become famous, you make your millions. And that was Alvis's dream. So every year we'd go back, Alvis would be practicing, Alvis was going to be a pitcher. And then we went um, several years ago and Alvis said, I got into baseball academy which is where they start to really groom these young boys to be baseball players. They are hardcore about it, of course, down there in the Dominican. I'm going to be a pitcher. So he was practicing his pitches every single time. And then we went back, because we hadn't been for a couple of years, when we went back last month, Olvis came one day. And I said, Olvis, Olvis, how's it going? How's baseball going? And his head dropped. And I said, 
What happened? He blew out his shoulder. So all this, he seemed to be okay with it, now he's starting another path, but that may be you. It may be you had every dream in the world that you were gonna be a world-class athlete and that just didn't work out. It may have been that you dreamed that you were gonna be a rock star and then your music didn't take off. Or you wanted to be a social media influencer. If you don't know what that is, ask the youngest person in your row and they'll explain it to you, okay? But somehow you haven't had a post that's gone viral. In fact, ask them that whole sentence I just said, they may explain it, right? But it's like we have all these dreams. We're gonna be a millionaire, but for everybody who's a millionaire, there's millions who aren't millionaires. Gonna have the perfect family. White picket fence, 2.4 kids. Not how life has gone for you. And the list goes on and on and on. And here's what I wanna remind you this morning. We can make all the plans we want. We can dream all the dreams we want, and that's not a bad thing. It is good to reach for things. But we gotta dream and we gotta reach for things remembering this. Ultimately, it's God who determines our story. He writes every single word of our lives as to how it's gone, how it's going to go, and how it is going to be. James 4.13 says this, some of you say, today or tomorrow we'll go to some city. We will stay there a year, do business, and make money. Listen, think about this. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. Your life is like a fog. You can see it for a short time, but then it goes away. We've kind of experienced this en masse for the past couple of years. It's, you know, all those plans that we made for 2020, all those plans that we made for 2021, all those plans we made for 2022 that now we're not sure how things were going to go. There's an old Yiddish proverb that says this, we plan, God laughs. Now, with apologies to your Yiddish grandmother, let me just say this, I don't think that's entirely true. I don't think God laughs at us. I do wonder how many times he's rolled his eyes when Charlotte has explained what is going to happen in life. Proverbs 27.1 says this, never brag about what you will do in the future. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And here's the thing and here is the problem. If we are not careful, we can let all the disappointments in life make us into increasingly bitter, twisted people. We become fearful, we lose confidence, and we kind of start to look at life as kind of a tangled mess of accidents waiting to happen. A reminder today, there is not one part of your life that was an accident. And you may be sitting here this December morning and you're tired of Christmas already because it reminds you of things. Or you're tired of December already because this year has not gone how you had planned it to be. And you may be tired of a life that looks nothing like you had planned. You're tired of the disappointments, you're tired of looking at the successes that other people seem to have. 
You're tired of the injustice and the unfairness of everything that is happening around you. And maybe this morning, you're feeling a little bit like George Bailey in this clip. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Glad you come. How about some of that good spaghetti? We got everything. This morning, you might be sitting here and you're saying, God, show me the way. You're ahead of the game if you're sitting here saying that, because you know what? You're not sitting in Martini's bar nursing a drink. But as 2021 races to a close, there's two things that I want to remind you of this Sunday morning. Two things that I want to say mean that no matter how things have gone, no matter how your life has been, no matter how your goals, whether you've reached them or not, two things. Number one is this. It's a wonderful life because God planned you on purpose. There is not one single thing on this planet that God did not create purposely. Not one animal not one plant, not one sea creature, and especially you. Every single person listening to me today, whether you are sitting in this room or you are watching me online, needs to hear this. You were not an accident. You are here because God Almighty wanted you to be here. And I want to remind you of this. No matter what the circumstances of your conception were, no matter who your parents were, no matter how your parents were, no matter what your family life was like, here's what actually happened. On the day you were born, God had already had that date in his planner, and he knew on this date you were going to be coming to this world. And you know why you were coming to this world? Because he wanted you here. I don't understand it all, I don't get it all at times, but every single person on this earth was made because God wanted them. And this morning, here's what you need to remind yourself. He wanted you because he knew the world needed you. He loved you before you were born. He had a plan and a purpose for you before you were born. He wanted you in his family before you were born. And to be honest, I feel like I could stop there because if that doesn't make this a wonderful life, I'm not entirely sure what does. 
But I want to remind you of something. If you ever doubt your place in this world, head to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 says this, you shaped me first inside and out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration, what a creation. You know me inside and out. Inside and out, he knows you. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life, note this, all prepared before I had even lived one day. He knew how your story was going to go because he planned it from before you were born. He knew you. He knows you. He wanted you to be here. Hey, as a little aside, let me just tell you this. Do you know that God even decided where you were going to live? Acts 17 says this, God began by making one man, and from him he made all different people who live everywhere in the world. He decided exactly when and where they would live. Amazing to think that God decided that this was where you needed to be. I was thinking as I was writing this this week that he may, must have an asterisk next to my name, and it's like, let's move her from country to country to country until her accent is just so messed up, we have no idea where she comes from. But it's like God knows exactly where it is that you live. And in this month of reflection, if you're looking back on life and lamenting the fact that things have not gone how you thought they would, if you're angry because you didn't reach those lofty goals that you had set yourself for 2021 or for life in general, remember this. God planned you. God made you. God wrote your story. And here is the good news for you all this morning. You are not smart enough and you are not dumb enough to mess that up. You can't do it. God knows what is going to happen. Now, you may have a lot of questions, and believe me, get in line behind me about why things have turned out the way that they have, but they've turned out that way for a reason. And God chose that path for you and that journey for you to be on. Ephesians 1 says this, in Christ he chose us, chose us, before the world was made. He chose us in love to be his holy People, people who could stand before him without any fault. And before the world was made, God decided to make us his own children. Through Christ, Jesus Christ, this was what God wanted, and it pleased him to do it. I got to learn to read that, not that, right? So God chose you. Before the beginning of the world, he decided who you were going to be. He decided what your life was going to look at like. He decided he wanted you to be born. And here's the great part too. We have a, a number of uh, grandchildren and sometimes we walk in the room, you get all excited. The little kids are here, the little kids are here. And it's like my kids kind of look at me like, we have, what about us? 
It's like the grandkids get away with a lot of stuff, the grandkids can do a lot of stuff that the kids don't get away with and never would have gotten away with, let me say. But here's the good news. God does not fawn over more than he does anybody else. He didn't forget you after you were the cute, cuddly baby. He didn't forget you when you became the obnoxious teenager. He didn't forget about you. He still loves you as much as you, got, as you get older. Isaiah 49 actually says this, and I love this word picture. I drew a picture of you on my hand. You are always before my eyes. One day this week um, in the office, I needed to bring something from home in. And I, I know I can do it on my phone. I realize that. But once in a while, I go back to high school ways. So what do I do? Write a note on my hand. Why do I write a note on my hand? Because I know that several hours later, when my hand comes, I'll remember what it is. Then it gets washed off in the shower. Here's the great part. Every time God looks at his hand, you're there. He remembers you. He thinks about you. He has your picture on his hand. He says, I'm with that person. I'm there beside them. I know them. I know what they're going through. I know what they're living through. I know what they're feeling. I know them inside and out. Right there, you are. This morning, the reminder is this. God planned you on purpose. And if that doesn't make this a wonderful life, I'm not entirely sure what does. But let's try one more. It's a wonderful life because God planned you for a purpose. Every single person, again, listening to my voice, was planned for a purpose. Jeremiah 29.11 says this. You all know what Jeremiah 29.11 says. A lot of you do. So I've mixed it up. I put it up there in a different version because I want you really to pay attention to what it says. It says, I know the plans that I have for you. This message is from the Lord. I have planned good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. So many times people struggle with the concept that God could possibly have a plan and a purpose for their lives. So often it's so easy to look at the great Christian leaders or to look at influencers or to look at prominent figures and see, but see, I can see how God is using them, but what about me? What am I doing? And if we're not careful, we take God's purposes and plans for us as either it has to be this huge, massive thing or it's nothing. And this morning, I want to remind you of this. For most of us, we are going to do we are going to work out God's plan and purpose in our lives and for our lives, it's going to be on small stage. It's going to be the little things. Most of us are not called to be prominent figures or people, figures that people follow or look at or hang on every word or whatever it is. And that's good. Because down here, I am convinced, is where God does his work. George Bailey thought his life had been wasted. George Bailey thought that he had accomplished nothing in his life because he hadn't achieved any of those goals that he had set out for himself. He didn't leave Bedford Falls. He didn't leave the bank where he worked. He didn't do these huge things that made him famous like his brother did. But of course, 
if you watch to the end, two hours and 30 minutes or whatever it was, the end of It's a Wonderful Life, what do you discover? George Bailey actually had a huge influence on the people of Bedford Falls. Why? Little things. Little things. And here's the good part about little things. You influence one person. You help one person. You mentor one person. You disciple one person. You change one person's life. You know what that does? It starts to ripple. That one person can then go out and it becomes a chain reaction. And you may think I've done absolutely nothing. I said thank you to one person today. I gave one waitress an extra tip today. I smiled at somebody today. But you know what? It starts a reaction from there. Influence is bigger than he thought it would be, and that's what George Bailey established. There is one important truth that I want you to grasp this morning, though. Because Jeremiah 29:11, we talk about it a lot. We, a lot of us have it up on walls, or we think about it. I know the plans I have for you. And as soon as we hear the word, plans I have for you, we automatically think of, okay, what does God want me to be doing? What job am I supposed to be having? Where should I be volunteering? Where should I be ministering? What should I be doing? That, what is that? And this morning, I just really want to remind you of this. There's an important truth that we need to grasp when it comes to God's purpose for our lives. God's primary purpose for you and for me is actually not what we do. God's primary purpose for you and for me is not in our actions. It's not in what we can do for him. He doesn't need us to be soldiers who fight his battles for us. He doesn't need us to be his employees. He doesn't need us to be his minions. Do you know what God's primary purpose for me is? And for you? A relationship with him. It's all about having a relationship with God. His purpose for me, his purpose for you this Sunday morning is to belong to him. And if you've been struggling saying, you know what, I have no purpose. Yes, you do. If you've been struggling saying, I don't know what God's plan is for me. Here it is. God wants you to be his child. And here's the thing. As you live as his child, as you live as God's child, guess what's going to happen? You're going to make a difference in the world. Whether your life is playing out on the big stage or the small stage whether you're in the backgrounds or you're in the forefront. It doesn't matter because as God's child, you're going to make a difference. Jude 1 says this, Greetings from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who have, check this out, been chosen and are loved by God the Father and have been kept safe in Jesus Christ. You and I, and if this doesn't amaze you, I don't know what does. You and I have been chosen by the God of the universe, the one who has all power, the one who has all authority, the one who spoke it into existence. You have been chosen by him. 
And his, your purpose in life is to have a relationship with him. It's not to have a role. It's not to have a responsibility. It's not to adhere to a bunch of rules. Your purpose is to have a relationship with him. It's not religion. It's relationship. We should make a shirt. <laughs> I'm kidding. For those who don't know, we have a shirt and we, a lot of us have it. God, and this Christmas time, here's what I want to remind you. God was so desperate to have a relationship with you. God was so desperate and wanted so badly to have a relationship with me. He came to earth. And that's why we're celebrating this Sunday morning. That's why this time of the year is a time of great hope. It's a time of great joy. It's a time of great celebration. Because we are celebrating the miracle of Christmas. He came to earth. He took on human form. He became the most vulnerable being that there is. A baby can do absolutely nothing by themselves. He was born to a man and a woman who were so poor and so lowly that when they got to the inn in Bethlehem, nobody recognized them. When they got to the inn at Bethlehem, they didn't even have an extra 20 to slip the innkeeper to say, we know you keep a room for VIPs. Can we have it, please? None of that. They were so poor that the God of the universe came to earth, was born in a, as a baby in a stinking, filthy stable. And his birth announcement went out to people who were the lowest of the low at that point, and they were shepherds. Luke chapter 2 says this, That night, some shepherds were out in the fields near Bethlehem watching their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord was shining around them. The shepherds were very afraid. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I have some very good news for you. News that will make everyone happy. Today your Savior was born in David's town. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in pieces of cloth and lying in a feeding box. I love this translation because I feel like for some of us, we've glamorized the manger. Like, yeah, Jesus was born in this really fancy thing, you know, with cloths and all that. He was born in a feeding box was where he was laid after he was born. And so the shepherds came to see him. And some stories say that they brought a lamb as a gift um, to him. But there's no mention of that actually in the Bible. And the truth is the shepherds were the poorest, lowest of the humans at that time. So they would have been dirt poor with nothing to give. And that's okay. Because the same applied then as applied now. Jesus wasn't looking for anything. And this morning, the reminder to all of you is, just as 2,000 years ago, Jesus wasn't looking for anything, December 12, 2021, there's only one thing God's looking for from you, and that's a relationship. We may try at times to make this about other things, but it's not. 
We may try to make it about rules and regulations. It's not. It's all about the relationship that you have, the relationship that I have with the one who made us, with the one who wanted us to be here, with the one who created us before we were even a thought in any of our parents' minds. He sent his most precious possession so that you and I could become a part of his family. So I just want to remind you today, when life isn't going the way you expected, when others seem to be doing so much better than you, when they're getting the promotions, or they're driving the flashy cars, or they seem to have the perfect family, I want to remind you of this this morning. You belong to the God of the universe. The Christ of Christmas is your savior, and he has the big picture for your life. I remember dad used the story a while ago, and I still think about it, about the puzzle, right? God's got the box. You only see a little piece of a puzzle. But if you want to know how to put the whole puzzle together, what do you have to do? You can look at the box. I'm with dad. I don't do puzzles. It's way too much for me. But you look at the box, and you see the big picture. A reminder this morning, wherever you are in your story, is just one piece of the puzzle. But trust that your creator knows the big picture. He's got the box. He sees what's gonna happen. He planned it out. It may not be what you would ever have worked out. It may not be how you ever thought your life was going to go. But there's a reason for it, and there's a plan behind it. And when you discover that, you know what, I'm not in control, when you say, you know what, God, I know that you have a purpose, you have a plan, I'm going to give it to you. When you turn your life over and say, you know what, no matter what happens, it's December 2021, and it's a wonderful life. Then maybe your despair will turn into joy like George Bailey's. Check out this clip. Mary! 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 Mary!
Kids! Pete! Oh, Kids, Janie! Janie, Tommy! Oh, let me look at you. Oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you. With Uncle she... Billy. Daddy! Zuzu! Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Hello. George. George, darling. Where are you? George, darling. Where are you? Oh, oh George. 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 Oh, let me touch. Let me touch. Are you real? Oh, George. Hey, let me just quickly summarize for those of you watching online, because uh, basically uh, George Bailey ran around like a madman because he realized that life was wonderful. Okay, that was about it. So, right? So he realizes that despite the fact he was in despair few scenes before that, ready to jump off a bridge into a river, and thanks to the angel, he got saved, but he realizes all the things that he has to be thankful for. And all the reasons why, no matter the fact that this has not gone at all like he had planned life was going to go, it is still a wonderful life. And maybe this morning you're sitting here and you've wrestled like George. Maybe you fought tooth and nail for the way you thought your life should be, so that it would fit into the American dream, so that it would be the fairy tale that you see other people living. Narrator's voice says most of them are not, by the way, okay? But you fought tooth and nail for your life to be that way. And here's the thing I want to tell you. That has nothing to, be, to do with you having a wonderful life. You have a wonderful life because you are a part of the family of God. And today is today to get past your plans. Today is today to see the good plans that God has for you. And so as I close this Sunday morning, there's two sets of people that I want to chat to. First, I want to chat to those of you who have been trying to control every aspect of your life. You've been searching for the perfect life. And today is the day I want to encourage you to do this. It's time to surrender it to God. It's time to say, you know what, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm wearing myself out trying to achieve what is the unachievable. And today I say, you know what? All the fame, all the fortune, all the prestige in the world is not worth it. And today's the day that I put my relationship with you as number one. James 4.15 has, has a great quote, and it says this. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It's good to dream. It's good to plan. But ultimately, we got to say, if, if it's God's will. Or Lord willing is a way that a lot of us put that. So maybe today's the day you put that aside and say, you know what, God, I'm going to start living for you and putting you first. And of course, there may be some of you who are sitting here today or watching online, and today's maybe the day where you say, I don't really know any of that. I don't have a relationship with God. I've never taken the step of saying, you know what, I want to be part of your family. I want to know that you are with me at all times. I want to live my life to please you. I want to live my life in relationship with you. 
And maybe today's the day where you say, you know what, this Christmas season is the day that I want to do all that. It's the day where I'm going to admit that I have sinned. It's the day that I'm going to confess that you are Lord. And I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you. And I'm going to accept your offer of a relationship this morning. And for all of us, maybe today's the day to pray George's prayer. Show me the way. Show me the way. And then to start to live it. Won't you stand with me this morning?